AM850KFUO. We are worldwide at KFUO.org. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and wherever you get your podcast, just search out KFUO Radio. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for a moment on the lighter side. And again, we welcome back one of our regular guests, Simon Peter of St. Peter's Hook and Crook. Your, your St. Louis headquarters for all your fishing and shepherding supplies. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What did you say last week? It was just uh, information. It was an infomercial. infomercial. No, that's not an advertisement, <laughs> just an infomercial. Well, Peter, with this being the Easter season, you're in the middle of telling us the Easter story in which you were intimately involved. It, it is. It is a very personal story indeed. But I want to share it with you through the eyes of an outside observer. Uh, that is by the record of my friend and fellow apostle, St. John. Uh, and if you remember, Gary, I gave you a homework assignment. Well, I, I do remember, Peter. The story we're considering is where Jesus restores you as an apostle after you had denied him three times. You asked me to compare the restorative words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And you were right, Peter. They're not all the same. In fact, each time Jesus uses a very different uh, set of words. Now, now there are some commentators who, who don't think that's very significant. They think it's just a, a stylistic thing for John. Now, obviously, I can't get inside the head of my fellow apostle and know exactly what he was thinking. But it's been my experience that John was very careful about his choice of words. I was thinking, Peter, if John was trying to do something stylistically, he would have used the exact same words, and that would have made Jesus' restoration of you all the more striking. And, and partially, he does use the exact same words, which makes the different words all the more striking. Uh, let's begin by looking at the words that Jesus repeats. Uh, read uh, John 21, starting at verse 15. Okay. Got the Bible right here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Oh, no, 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 let's just stop right okay. there. Because uh, you will notice that in all three instances, Jesus addresses me with the exact same words, Simon, son of John. I did notice that, and what puzzles me is he doesn't call you by the name we're all familiar with, the name John himself used there in describing you. He doesn't call you Peter. A good observation, Gary. Oh, by the way, do you know the significance of the name Peter? As a matter of fact, I do. I was reading earlier in the Gospel of John, and Peter is the nickname Jesus himself gave you. From John 1, verse 42, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Ah, and it is a grand and glorious nickname. For, for Cephas and or Peter means the rock. So why didn't he call you by your nickname that day? Well, I, I think it's fairly obvious. <laughs> In the situation Jesus was addressing that day, I had hardly been a rock, had I? <laughs> no, you really haven't. I suppose denying Jesus three times certainly doesn't make you a rock of faith. That it doesn't. Uh, but there was another reason Jesus refused to use my nickname that day. 
but we'll talk about that later. Oh, and as long as we're on the subject of things you need to talk about, don't forget, you said last week you would tell us about the symbolic significance of the fact you caught exactly 153 fish that day at the Sea of Galilee. Wait just a second. Let me write this all down. I better start making a list. But but do you think we can get back to the subject at hand? Oh, I'm sorry, Peter. I didn't intend to interrupt your train of thought. So Jesus didn't call me by the nickname he'd given me, but he did three times, using the exact words, call me by my full name, Simon, son of John. I understand the significance of that. I remember when my mother would call me by my full name, Gary Allen Duncan. You knew you were kind of in trouble. It meant that you were in very, very serious trouble. (laughs) Why do I suspect that your mother addressed you that way many times in your life? But you're right, Gary. The absence of my beloved nickname... The formal address clearly indicated the subject Jesus wanted to discuss was very serious. I fully suspected Jesus was going to drum me out of the discipleship core. And yet, surprisingly, he doesn't. Rather, he restores you three times. And as you pointed out, that the words of restoration are all a little bit different. Which is all the more striking, for his initial words to me were all the same. Simon, son of John. All right, Peter, why does Jesus say, feed my lambs, then tend my sheep, and then finally, feed my sheep? Why use all these different phrases? You have to realize, Gary, uh, when John wrote this story, he was addressing a very current issue in the church. And what is that? Well, in the early church, we, we face much persecution. And so does the church in many parts of the world today. A good point, Gary. Sometimes we have it so easy here in America, we forget in other places of the world, Christians are imprisoned and and even face death for their faith. So it was in my day. At first, the Jews persecuted us in Jerusalem. Then when we fled throughout the Roman Empire, we faced persecution from the Gentiles. You know, I've read the stories of what the Roman rulers did to you. It was pretty gruesome. And because Christians, even very early ones, were still sinners, many did what I did in the face of persecution. They denied their Lord. Uh, The controversy arose over how these deniers should be treated. Some suggested that they should be out of the church for good. Oh, just like it says in Hebrews, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who turned away from God and by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross again and holding him up to public shame. You know, I'm not sure it's the same issue the author of Hebrews is addressing there, but some people did take it that way. Others suggested they could be brought back into the church, but only as second-class citizens to always bear the shame of their betrayal. You know, it it occurs to me that would be a very personal issue for you, Peter. Uh, That it was. Uh, Of course, at the time our story takes place, nobody yet knew what I'd done. As I said last week, even Jesus himself hadn't actually eyewitnessed my betrayal. Uh, None of the other disciples had any idea of what Jesus was actually talking to me about at that time. You know, that's right. You said uh, you hoped to talk with Jesus privately so that the issues of your denial might never have to come to public knowledge. It's, It's kind of interesting, though. Jesus wasn't going to let you deal with the issue privately. He was going to confront you in front of all the other disciples. Well, you know, that's what I thought was going to happen when he called me to come to him, Simon, son of John. I thought he was going to give me a very public tongue lashing. But but you'll note, even though he spoke to me in the presence of the other disciples, never once did he specifically mention my sin. 
but apparently at some later date you must have, for it's obviously common knowledge in John's gospel as in all the other gospels. You know, Gary, I was glad that Jesus didn't embarrass me that day. But sooner or later, a man must confess his sins. The time would come when I would have to affirm that Jesus always spoke the truth. And, and he had certainly spoken the truth when he said I would deny him three times. And once that uh, became general knowledge, the question would be, does your denial change your role as an apostle? But, but don't you see, in our story, Jesus had already answered that question. In the three different phrases Jesus uses, he is clearly affirming my apostleship. So first he says, feed my lambs. So why was that so important to say, feed my lambs? Well, lambs refer to the weak believers, the new Christians, the ones just beginning in their faith. Now, who in their right mind would trust such fragile ones to a betrayer like me? But, but, but Jesus did. You know, actually, Peter, you would have been the perfect leader for such persons. You would be sensitive to the weakness they struggled with at, at the beginning of their faith, probably a lot more empathetic than older, more established Christians might be. But Jesus' restoration doesn't end there. So consider the second thing he said to me. Tend my sheep. Well, well the word tend there actually means to shepherd in the Greek. Here, the good shepherd himself was giving me the authority to be his under-shepherd here on earth. And not just over a portion of the flock, but over the entire flock of sheep. Isn't it true the word pastor also means shepherd in the Greek? Oh, oh precisely, Gary. And, and so those who are called pastor serve as under-shepherds, under the great shepherd. Their work to do nothing but share the words of the good shepherd and lead their flock to believe and no one else but the shepherd Jesus. So Jesus gave you the authority to teach all Christians new and old. And it doesn't end there. Read the last words of Jesus' restoration. Feed my sheep. You see, if anyone thought there would be limits to my ministry, Jesus plainly teaches otherwise. I was given authority to feed not only the little, but the great as well. I was to be shepherd over the lambs and the sheep, over the entire flock. I can see why some Christians think that these words made you the very first pope. Well, that is kindly of them to make me out to be pope. <laughs> Don't we all want to be pope? <laughs> yes, even Pastor Lukomsky dreams of being the first Lutheran pope someday. Ah, yes. <laughs> to, to dream the impossible dream. I don't know, uh, if, but, I was, but any, I don't know if I was supposed to share that, uh, but that's just some <laughs> knowledge I've heard. <laughs> You've heard that. I've heard that story, too. And, you know, we're, we're intimately acquainted. But anyway, I, I appreciate people's kindness in wanting to make me Pope. But while Jesus does clearly restore my apostolic authority here, he in no way says my authority was greater than that of John or James or any other of the twelve apostles he had chosen. The point here is not that Jesus made me greater than the other apostles, but that Jesus had fully and completely restored me to the role of teacher in his church. This, of course, had great significance to the church at the time and, and for all of you today. I respect the authority that Jesus had given to you and the rest of the apostles, but what does that have to do with all of us? Well, well don't you see, when Jesus restores people, he never restores them halfway. Those who denied the Lord in the early church were to be received back as first-class citizens in the kingdom of heaven. 
They were to be regarded as children of the Heavenly Father with full right of inheritance. If they repented of their sins, they were to be received with full forgiveness. For Christ's forgiveness, I tell you, is always full and complete. Oh, I see what you mean, Peter, and that that's also for us today. Exactly, Gary. All of us in thought, word, and deed have in one way or another denied our Lord. Our lack of love for our neighbor and our lack of trust in God are all a form of denial, aren't they? But when the Lord restores us with his word, uh, be it in baptism, absolution, the Lord's Supper, our preaching, we need to realize that his restoration is never partial. When Jesus forgives all of your sins, they are forgiven. And he offers us the forgiveness even if we deny three times or more. Or even more than that. Yeah. You know, Jesus taught that we should forgive our brothers 70 times 7. <laughs> Which does bring up another question, Peter. Why didn't Jesus restore you the same way he usually restores us? What do you mean by that, Gary? Well, why didn't he just say, I forgive you, Peter? Ah, okay, wait a second. Another question to add to the list. And we haven't even gotten to the other difference in Jesus' words to me. What do you mean, the other difference? It looks like, to me, other than the words about sheep, lamb, feed, and ten, Jesus' other words were all the same. Well, it does look that way in the English. But in the Greek, there are two very different, crucial words that Jesus uses when he addressed me that day. There's something very important in the different way. Jesus asked me, do you love me? But we'll talk about that, and maybe we'll answer your other questions when we get together next week. That sounds like a great plan. Until then, we simply will remember when Jesus restores us sinners, he restores us completely. And look forward to talking to you again next week, Peter. We are the messenger of good news. You can find us on the web at kfuo.org. Here in the St. Louis region, AM850 KFUO. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And our Facebook address is facebook.com slash KFUO radio.